Content warnings for this episode include dysphoria, anti-trans bigotry, mental health, misgendering, racism, and trauma survivorship. Jennifer would like to acknowledge the indigenous peoples and the unceded lands that the producers, hosts, and guests live and have dwelt upon. Today, we honor the Ojibwe and Dakota lands and the Lenape lands. We honor the elders, the human, plant, and animal ancestors of these lands and celebrate the living descendants of these people. May all beings tend these lands for the goodness of the next seven generations and beyond. Meowdy folks, welcome to Genderful, a talk show interviewing gender diverse folks about their special interests. The name of our show celebrates that gender expansiveness is wonderful. Hi, I'm Gender Master, and my pronouns are they, them. Hi, I'm Atlas O Phoenix, and my pronouns are also they, them. The focus of our show is to interview trans, non-binary, agender, and gender-diverse people regarding their special interests, passion projects, and resources for the gender-diverse community. We want our audience to know that this show is hosted by two folks who also identify as non-binary, transmasculine, neurodivergent, and disabled with the passion for telling trans stories. If you're new to our show, welcome. We're delighted you're here. At the end of this interview, we have Clouder Query, where we like to ask you a question related to this week's topic. We'd like to invite you, our listeners, to answer the Clouder Query on our social media platforms. This show is made possible by volunteers, tips, and subscriptions. Shout out to those helping us coordinate guests, edit the podcast, moderate the live chat, and post on our socials. If you would like to support the show with your time, please join our Discord server and meet the community and get a regular digest of Solidarity resources. If you'd like to catch us live, join us on Mondays at twitch.tv forward slash gendermaster. Show notes will appear in the edited version of the show on Fridays on both YouTube and podcasting platforms. If you love the show, check out some of our earlier episodes. We invite you to remember that we are whole people with robust lives, friendships, challenges, and successes. We love and are loved, and we are delighted to share these stories with you. As always, we kindly remind our listeners that no person is a monolith of their identities. Your identities can change over time and are valid every step of the way. And if you think you're gender diverse, you are gender diverse. There are no social or medical prerequisites to be included in the community. Welcome to Jennifer episode 76. This week, our guest, Rio, they, them, is chatting with us about mental health life coaching for queer folks. Rio supports queer people through mental health challenges and life changes. They use tools such as talk counseling, meditation, budgeting, organization, and more to help folks create their own understanding of a healthy life. When Rio is not life coaching, they are a high fashion and editorial model using their physical and mental flexibility to collaboratively push boundaries in art and fashion. Welcome to Genderful Rio. How are you today? Hey, thank you so much for having me. I'm doing pretty well. I'd say I'm like um like a six out of ten today. Six out of ten. Oh, that's actually pretty good. That's yeah, pretty- what about you? I I feel like I'm at a six, seven, somewhere in there. I feel like that. Yeah, I've been up since 6 a.m. So I'm still here. (laughs) There we go. (laughs) I feel like that's that's earning a seven right there. (laughs) Yeah, that's impressive. 
<laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to ask the first question of the day. What might, what are the things that you can trace back to your youth that indicated that you might be gender diverse someday? I, I love this question. I love like talking with genderqueer and trans folks about like those moments in childhood because they're so cheeky and so yeah I have a lot like I'm trying to think which ones to choose because when I was younger I I was like a tomboy right everybody was like Rio the tomboy like I wore my brother's clothes all of my closest friends were boys I was like a little soccer star humbly maybe not then and (laughs) um so I think actually that kind of pigeonholing into tomboy it it both helped me embrace masculine parts of myself and limited my my understanding of gender in that it was I was just kind of told like okay then you're just like a girl that behaves like a boy Mm -hmm. um and so having it broken down in that very binary way I don't think was very helpful but at the same time like I I was supported to embrace that aspect of myself. So like on one year, I was like Justin Bieber for Halloween. Oh, I wow. had these bangs, but like I had long hair and bangs. So I like put the hair up in a hat. Yeah. And I was Justin Bieber. And I both love Justin Bieber. Yeah. Because um, I'm queer. That includes this month for me. And so mm-hmm. I like wanted to be with him. Yeah. And in retrospect, like, I wanted to be him. Yeah. So it's always very funny, especially those crushes of, like, how, like, that 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 lovely nuance of, like, did I want to be you or marry you, but probably both? Uh, yeah, I really relate to that. I, I relate to that very much. So I think I was dating guys because I was like, oh, I liked something physical about them and I wanted that for myself. But I, it was like that blending of like, well, do I want them or do I just want to work out and look like them or something? And so like, that was, that was the kind of thing, which is a perfect segue into this question, which is how has your relationship to gender evolved over time? Hmm, um... The Justin Bieber moment. Right? Yeah. So I definitely, after that, went into like a really hyper feminine phase. Like in high school, I like wore so much makeup. Like I did my, I did my makeup for like 30 minutes every morning. I like picked out my outfit the night before. I like, you know, had like, you know, me and my friends would go dress shopping and, um, it was kind of like, I don't know. I think going back to that, like that conflation of, of gender and sexuality, right. I'm like a teenager and I'm, I'm realizing like, okay, this is what's going to get me attention from not only boys sexually, but like these girls that I want to be friends with, like they clearly want to be friends with someone that like, likes these like shopping and things like that and in a a way I did but it was very like in retrospect very exaggerated to fit in I feel um and then it wasn't until college I I moved to New York City and I went to NYU that I started to meet more genderqueer people 
Um, I, to my knowledge, like, I don't think there were any gender queer people in my like very small high school openly like out as gender queer. Mm-hmm. Um, and so yeah, it wasn't until New York that I moved to New York that I even was introduced to the term non-binary. Um, and so it was really in my adulthood that I was like, wait, I, I really resonate with this. Um, and I had already, I had also really started to come into my own sense of fashion as well. Um, like not more like wanting to be fashionable in my own way in New York city, rather than trying to fit in, in high school. Mm. Um, and so yeah, like the classic story of like moving to like the very queer New York City and and being introduced to queerness and and like falling in love with with it and myself more mm. and more. Um and so yeah, it was it was in my junior, no, my senior year of college um that I came out as non-binary. Wow. And so yeah, definitely confused my family a bit I like I didn't even I felt so young that I didn't even think about how other people would consider it late um but I guess like we live in this culture where it's kind of you're where we're asking children to like figure out their identity at young ages without the, the resources to really even understand what that means right Right. And also without, you know, telling them, well, the caveats that you can change, you know, and you'll go through these periods of these peaks and then these, you know, valleys and the peaks and that kind of thing. And like, as you navigate the terrain of like your identity, like gender identity and sexual identity. Um, And so, uh, so yeah, that's a really beautiful story. Thanks for sharing that. I appreciate you. Yeah, it was nice to reflect on that. Oh, good. What was the nice, what was nice about reflecting on that? I think it's always nice to to reflect on on one's growth, but for me, I, I find it, um, you know, encouraging for for both myself and and like kind of ushers in that sense of of pride of like, okay, I've I'm I'm grateful for all of these stops along the way and all of the things that I've learned about myself and that I continue to meet folks like you and, and expand my queer community and then learn even more about myself and others yeah yeah that's the cool thing about genderful is like we get to interview all, all different kinds of people from all over the world and like to hear uh, their gender journey it's uniquely tailored to each individual even if like it's under the umbrella of trans or non-binary or agender everybody's story is so unique like we all are unique to each other as humans but these stories um they're very special to me because it's like oh i resonate with some of that but like i didn't know that that could be a thing too that's really cool and then you go back and you think about it and then all of a sudden i have a new identity because you've had time to think about it you know and so yeah it's just really beautiful like the evolution of like um gender and the evolution around the thoughts around gender and how it can be anything you you can be anything you want to be and so i really mm-hmm. Okay, I'm going to switch topics here and go into um, life coaching. How does your gender identity show up in your coaching work? You're a life coach. Do you want to talk a little bit about that before you answer that question? Yeah, sure. So um, my life coaching business is called Yours Rio. I yours in that space. And um, I started it in January of 2021. Mm-hmm. 
this was shortly after I was working uh, full-time for the Trevor Project, the LGBTQ suicide hotline. Nice. And um, I, I had a lot of qualms working for queer folks through a nonprofit organization. And prior to that, I had been working with um, like government agencies and nonprofit organizations in New York City as well. So I was trying these different avenues of how to support queer folks. And I was really finding that um, in these systems of like begging others for money, like such as the nonprofit industrial complex, right? Where they're constantly trying to have to ask for money and have to prove um, like why they need it. Mm-hmm. That That in that process, like, um, folks are asked to compromise so many values um, and so many goals um, mm-hmm. and then and then are bound in terms of what they can do with that money. And so I started Yours Rio because I wanted to be able to create space for um, queer folks to be able to request the support and receive that support in exactly the way that they're asking. Um, I find that in all of these spaces, whether it's working with queer people or not, because um, prior to focusing on the queer community, I was working very heavily in the survivors of sexual assault, sexual abuse, um, domestic violence, that world. Mm -hmm. And because it very much is a world when it comes to the policy. And um, yeah, with all of these, all working in all of these um, communities and, and, and the system set up to try to support these communities, it was like, we're we know what's best for you and Mm -hmm. so we're gonna like get the funding and create the policies and etc to give you what we know is best Mm -hmm. um and it it felt rather than like we know what's best for ourselves like anybody healing from any trauma like i promise you that you're the expert in your own healing process that's what I promise all of my clients but the the reality is that most people don't believe that and so I think that's where the the kind of coaching work starts okay all right they don't actually being able to believe in order to actually cultivate that expertise you have to believe that that you you know what you're talking that your intuition is is um talking to you with truth Right. So it's, it's really about going inside and realizing that, you know, like we, like what helps me with like my mental health work is realizing that I have autonomy, I have sovereignty, and I get to use my agency in the way that I see fit for myself. But I also had to overcome a lot of things to get to that place where I could feel that way. And it sounds like the work that you're doing is helping people get to this place to trust their intuition more. Yes, definitely. I've had a couple of few clients that like, they feel like they get to this place of like stability, right? Um, where they can kind of trust that intuition, right? And then they're like, okay, I, I want to try not doing coaching for a while because it's my my goal is to never make clients dependent on my support, right? Um, right. The goal is to like empower them to have the tools to support themselves. And I have clients that like become really good at listening to their own intuition and meeting those needs and still want that space like every week or every other week to to tell me how it's been going and and to get advice on maybe something that happened that week mm-hmm. um, and and so yeah it, it's it's cool to also be able to change the sessions with the changing needs of the individual because needs are never stagnant 
Mm-hmm. That's true. Okay. My question for you um, is this, um, and then I'll move on to the next question. Um, yours, Rio. I, I, first of all, I just want to take the time to talk about the the name that you chose and. Um, your expression was that you chose this because you wanted to say I'm yours in this space for this amount of time to help you see yourself and take full advantage of what your gifts are and to move forward. Um, My question is, are you offering this service because this service wasn't available for you? Hmm. Um, I wouldn't say that is like the reason, Mm -hmm. but definitely a reason. Um, I actually feel really grateful in the amount of support I've been able to receive around trusting myself Mm. and around being the leader of my own life. I think as much as my parents don't understand my queerness, I do appreciate the ways that they empowered me to be my own individual. Mm um and to and to trust my own decision making and so and so yes and no right there's like I'm like almost taking that and then querying it got you so you're taking the lessons you've learned about being your own individual and you're you're querying it and and giving it to other queers to go and do the same thing too so this is this empowerment that you've got from this chain to this chain to that chain okay that's beautiful yeah definitely Thank you. Thank you for the work you're doing. This is amazing. Um, Are there any themes that come up frequently in your coaching work? Yeah, definitely. I'd say the biggest one um, that comes to mind is shame. Mm. Um, I've almost thought about like putting shame in kind of like my advertising, I guess, in terms of the kind of support that I'm uh, the kind of support I'm offering because shame just comes up with literally every single client mm-hmm. um, in the sense of like manifest the shame as a manifestation of our fears. Mm-hmm. Um, so shame of like not when we can't please other people, when we disappoint other people, shame of like the possible shame if we are to be ourselves in public space um that can both come from others and internally the kind of shame that like is cultivated in arguably like every child growing up in America um in terms of the kind of punitive culture that we live in um right like punishment starting from a young age I've noticed cultivates this narrative of shame in like almost everyone I work with, whether like, whether or not it's a really small voice or a really big voice, like, we're all kind of like, oh, if you don't, because myself included, I say we, it's like, oh, if you don't, if I don't do this, then I must be X, Y, and Z, right? That kind of um, judgment um, Mm -hmm. mentality. Mm -hmm. And so I think both learning how to not judge myself has been like pertinent in supporting my clients with not judging themselves and and it's been fun in ways to actually come up with the kinds of tools and exercises like meditation and affirmations Mm -hmm. um like some folks prefer prayer some folks prefer like really like logical like book recommendations um 
to just see what works for that individual to help like make that shame voice smaller and smaller and make that self-love voice bigger and bigger wow and that takes time to cultivate it obviously yeah I'd say say it's like a lifelong practice Mm -hmm. for for myself too yeah a lot self-love is a lifestyle and you know being able to look yourself in the mirror for you know at least 10 seconds and just be like you know it's okay like you had a rough moment a minute ago or you just woke up or whatever but i still love you i mean not like what you just did but i still love you and you're gonna you're gonna fix this i believe in you like that's kind of like what i have to tell myself when i have those days and it's just you know the amount of time since 2020 when i started doing a lot of mental health work the amount of time that i spend in the mirror giving those affirmations and that kind of thing has gone from like a split second to like maybe 10 or 20 seconds of just actually having a dialogue. And so I I think that's pretty cool that you're able to hold that space for folks so that they can do whatever they need to do to start kind of living that lifestyle of uh, self-love and, and self-affirmation. So I think that's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. Um, which is a perfect question to segue into, which is how do you show up for yourself while showing up for others? Because you do a lot of work here, a lot of emotional work, and you're working with shame and you're working with all, all different kinds of things. So how do you show up for yourself? Well, I would admit I'm still learning how. All right. I definitely, actually like a moment is coming up for me that I want to share with y'all of last year in August, I was just like, go, go, go. Just like constantly like meeting with clients, doing modeling things, um, doing hustles here and there to make some extra money and um, really had like no work-life balance. And at the end of August, I got in a moped accident and I tore my ACL and had to get knee surgery. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it's pretty intense. Yeah. Yeah. definitely very serious like surgery is not to be taken lightly especially knee surgery um but it was like one of those moments for me where I was like dang like I was really like ignoring all of the messages to like pause so much that like the universe had to like literally like hit me over the head and be like down Rio like rest. <laughs> <Literally>. like <laughs> yes whatever we have to do you we need to ground you right now yeah right yeah. that happened mm-hmm. to me in November <laughs> <laughs> right it's like rest you don't have a choice now um so I did so I yeah I didn't I I, I had to like and I find that that's 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 a, a cycle for me um probably like once once a year right where like something happens where I'm like oh like I've gotten caught up in the matrix again yeah and by the matrix I mean like global capitalism right mm-hmm. and having to like pull myself back and remember that like actually being an anti-capitalist is allowing myself to rest yeah. Um. Like that. What that can look like on a on an everyday live basis. Like rest is essential to that. Um. And so how I do that now this year has been a good start to it. Um. Yeah. I I've 
continue my meditation practice. I continue my affirmations. I try and do the things that I'm asking my clients to do. Yeah. Right. Um, get enough sleep at night, make sure that I'm eating nutritious food that, that makes me feel good in my body, Mm -hmm. stretching, being active. Um, all of these things are like annoyingly repeated to us over and over again. Mm -hmm. Um, that do actually help yeah Yeah, I mean it's like it's it's looking at these things and being oh this seems cheesy or just I don't know like is this really gonna work and it's like it does but you have to practice it every day and um and show up for yourself every day and that could be that's enough of a task and so I love what you just said about um being anti-capitalist anti-capitalist and I wrote down uh, rest with an exclamation mark and I'm like yeah that is the very definition right there is like realizing that you don't have to take every gig like I realized that this weekend I was offered a gig and it was like super low pay for a whole lot of things they wanted me to do and I was just like you have so many of your own personal projects to do that you can't you don't have to chase money anymore you know mm. you need to chase your dreams so it was like which avenue like the capitalist avenue or the dream avenue and I decided to take the dream avenue and see what happens and that's really the avenue I've been taking for 30 plus years and so so we'll see what happens at the end of that dream avenue (laughs) amazing that sounds like a good journey though to be going down that dream avenue for 30 years yeah well you know I mean I was in my 20s 30 years ago and I was like serious as a heart about attack about becoming a filmmaker and everything. And then, you know, I'm 52 now. And it's just like, sometimes I'm like, you're 52. Okay. What, what do you need to do? Because you have less time than more time on this planet. And, um, and that's the motivator behind what I do is mm-hmm. just, what can I get done today? And mm-hmm. um, so I, I'm not so much stressed out about what I don't need and what I don't get done. I just, okay. What other day in the week can you get it done? Mm. But, this is a good time to ask this question, which is how has your understanding of yourself changed or not changed throughout your coaching career? I feel like it's a great question to play off yeah. of what you just said. No, definitely. Um, I'd say that my self-confidence and my self-esteem has grown greatly mm. in proving to myself that I can support people in in the ways that I thought that I could. Um, I definitely met a lot of resistance when I first started my coaching business. I'm 26. Um, My therapist at the time was like, you don't have a license, like don't do this. And I was like, I'm not trying to be a therapist. I'm being a life coach and you don't need a license to be a life coach. Um, And I actually had to like get a different therapist because I, I, I really like it was really inhibiting my work life like having this voice in my head that I'm not like qualified enough but like I mean higher education is like an elitist system built intentionally to (laughs) keep knowledge gatekeep so Mm. I, I I stood fast in that with a lot of anxiety and insecurity um and I'd say having been doing this for two years now I, I feel a lot more confident and like firm in that belief. Mm-hmm. Um, like I feel like I can feel it in my body more. There's less anxiety when I assert that. Mm-hmm. And I'm like constantly humbled that I know nothing 
Mm-hmm. Um, and my clients with constantly teaching me new things or bringing things into the space that I had never considered. Mm-hmm. Um, and so allowing both of those seemingly contradictory things, but also not um, to exist at once, I think has been one of my biggest points of growth. You talked about gaining enough confidence to actually fire the therapist who very, um, very directly said that you were not uh, qualified to be a life coach, that you're not licensed to be a life coach. Mm -hmm. And you started this, it sounds like when you were 24, because you're 26 now. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I feel like the pattern that I see started all the way back with how your folks helped you rely on your own intuition to make your own decisions like letting go of a therapist to get a new therapist because of what happened in that situation. I don't know, like that seems like the biggest qualifier for me for you to be a life coach because that took a lot of courage to do that. And so I don't know, that's- That's That's a cool connection. I think so, yeah, it is. Because I I think, you know, I don't know if you can say badass, but that is badass um, that you did- because a lot of people will just stay with the therapist and because that therapist has that hierarchy in the room. And so it's like, oh no, I must listen to this therapist, even though what I'm being told doesn't feel healthy to me here and here. And, you know, like I've also had to do the thing where I've had to let therapists go as well. And it's like, no, that's your money, your time, your hour. And you get to decide who helps you with this and this mm-hmm. ultimately. So that was pretty awesome that you chose to do that and you were able to live the dream that you have now, which is helping people through life coaching um, without a license. You know, that's fantastic. I can't yeah. think Yeah, of- I mean, my, I think we were coming at it from different perspectives, right? Because she's a, a therapist. She'd been doing therapy for like 30 years. And um, so she, you know, started doing therapy in a time where these kinds of licensees were important and still in ways are important for the safety I think of the therapist as well in terms of maintaining boundaries um Mm. and having the tools and the resources to navigate those boundaries um but I agree that I think um that I think that definitely played a role into it and I I, in in retrospect I almost feel like it it helped my coaching right because it, it you know um my whole point in starting the business right was like individuals know individuals are the expert in their own healing processes and so here I was being told like this is not how you should be leading your life this is not how you should you should be like healing um and uh, you know I was able to say no I, I think I know what's best for myself um I think right like mm-hmm. oftentimes sometimes it is just like I think Mm-hmm. um and we don't really know until like it's done but right. so but I think part of it is is following that initial feeling yeah I I think that the decision to let your therapist go to pursue which ultimately I feel like that action right there was the proof that you were ready to be a life coach but I also feel like um I feel like that must have been healing to make that switch Right. Yeah. Right. I was saying healing. Pro- I was hesitant to say healing process, right? Because it, it's starting a business, but but there there has been many healing aspects of starting and running my own business and working one on one with queer folks, right? It's almost impossible to remove healing from that. 
Yeah, because it is an act of healing, whether you're giving the service or someone's coming to you for that service. I think that's great. Um, I have another question that goes into a different kind of, um, goes into your other uh, profession, but is there anything else you'd like to say? Like you said that um, there are learning moments that your clients have uh, shared, like have, have offered mm -hmm. to you for you to learn. Would you have a specific moment that you'd like to talk about and kind of share with us? Hmm. Um, I think, well, I know actually something comes to my mind. Um, I want to um, balance confidentiality, but I think if I keep it really vague, um, just in general, I've had clients that um, shifted my understanding of addiction as they process that themselves. Um, I, I think, right, there's like these, these things where like, okay, I have been trained in trauma around suicidal ideation, around mental health, around depression. I've been trained in trauma around like physical trauma, um, right? I've been trained in childhood trauma, but like these things still come up where I, I come to understand why there is a whole field around them, such as addiction, mm -hmm. um, such as grief. Mm -hmm. um why there are like grief therapists I've I've had to learn how to support people through um death in a way that I never had myself mm -hmm. um and so yeah I think being being introduced to these different challenges without maybe having lived them out myself mm -hmm. has helped me like grow my empathy grow my understanding of myself challenge me to like deep dig into all of the researches that we have uh, research that we have at our fingertips mm -hmm. um you know since I did not go to school for two years to be a therapist like I still have my NYU ID like using those resources like well what book would they open like you know allowing myself to remember that that education you know it comes from engaging with people one-on-one -on -one, it comes from my own research it comes from my own self-reflection mm -hmm. um and so anytime like um, a client brings up something that I, that I don't know or, that, or, or where I have that moment of like, oh, I haven't supported someone through this, I'd say that I, that I learned. Wow, that's so stellar. And I don't think you realized it, but um, you've actually offered a healing to me because I have a hard time with school, like when I was in college. And I would come to realize that, you know, I have ADHD. And so it's hard for me to focus in a school setting. But um, what you just said validates how I actually educate myself, which is through research, through books, and that kind of thing. Like, I am an award-winning screenwriter, but that's because I spent, like, 100 hours reading books and, like, doing outlines from the things that I've read, you know, of the outlines of the material, and then applying it to writing a script and then making a script and then making a movie so I could go get an award. But I didn't get that education inside of four walls. I got it in the four walls of my apartment. And so I feel like self-education, like what you're doing for life coaching, the self-education is such a critical component to how you can be of service to others and yourself. And so mm. thanks for that validation. That was pretty dope. Thank you. Also, yes, award-winning screenwriter and... Um, I have ADHD too, so yes on that as well. Okay, okay. <laughs> Thank you. Can we do like a high five? Can we do a Zoom high five? Zoom high five. Thank you. <laughs> All right. I have another question here. As you are also a professional model, does your gender identity show up in modeling 
And also, how is it constantly perceived in art and fashion as a non-binary person? That's the okay. very, light question. very light question. Yeah, maybe we, let's start with the first question. Yeah? Okay. As you are also a professional model, how does your gender identity show up in your model? So I very much claim being a non-binary model, um, which I've realized means a lot of different things to a lot of people, different people in the fashion industry. I was actually just laughing with my agents today because I'm I'm supposed to go to a casting over the weekend and the height requirements are women's five eight no five nine and up men's six one and up non-binary five eleven and up wow. and I, I know I was like Wait, like, so they literally just picked the number between men and women. Like, I was like, how was like, how'd they come to that? And I was like, oh, they added two from women and subtracted two from men. Like, and they just picked one in the middle, like, because I guess to them, like, non-binary is just like, well, you must just be in the middle somewhere. Um, That's so and, Well, so I have to go to this. I'm not 5'11". And so I'm going to this casting. But I want the opportunities that this mm -hmm. has to offer. And so I'm I'm going to go and I'm going to audition for the women's because I can, um, and I feel that I've I've come into my non-binary identity enough to through this, and in many ways like it's been challenging. I've had to like gain that kind of confidence of being able to to feel like I can like play my non-binary identity to my advantage without like feeling shame about that. Um, because at the end of the day, I don't want to be commodified, but mm -hmm. at the same time, like fashion is a commod in many ways, a commodifying art form in a capitalist world. Like it is something is being created to be sold. I am helping to sell it. Mm -hmm. Um, so rather than like, yeah, being kind of like bogged down by all that commodification, like trying it has been interesting to try and figure out like how can I both like make space for myself in this industry and refuse to conform and, and push boundaries further in that sense and also like pay my bills and like right. get that next step further to working with my dream clients you know right uh, all right I guess this might be kind of the next question that was part of that two-part question which is How's being constantly perceived? How's it being constantly perceived in art and fashion um, as a non-binary person? Um, that kind of plays off a little bit of what you said. Would you like to to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think those are definitely interconnected. So I I understand why those questions are together too. Because um, I mean I mean modeling is like constant perception, right? Like you yeah. you have to think about what audience is perceiving you, mm -hmm. what audience you're making it for. And how they're going to perceive you um, in in the process of creation, and then once the art is out in the world, it's like everyone is going to make their own perception. And so it's been interesting to see how much our stereotypes around fashion play into it. Mm -hmm. um, I find that in terms of how I'm perceived, it's it it's unfortunate how much non-binary has come to equal androgynous. 
because yeah. it doesn't, right? Like we both know it, like that androgynous and non-binary, like have, do not have to have anything to do with each other. Right. Um, but I find that unfortunately, like when I'm androgynous, that is when I'm being perceived as non-binary the most. When I'm in these stereotypes of like, femininity I'm being perceived as a woman and I have woman I have to correct them when I'm sometimes I'm perceived as a man and being transmasculine then I'm just like cool euphoria through the roof (laughs) (laughs) have that question coming up and yes you just hit the iceberg on that one okay I do have one other question that popped in do you meet and work with many other non-binary models um I've met and worked with two non-binary models mm-hmm. um and it was interesting I, I'll, I'll reference the most recent shoot I did with um a trans feminine non-binary model and we both were selected for the shoot it was just the two of us for the shoot and we both were selected because we're non-binary and the shoot was kind of like not because, but that was an aspect of it, right? Was this playing on gender? Gotcha. Um, and so it was a really fun shoot to do. Like they really embraced my masculinity. They really embraced, like the team really embraced the other models, femininity. And so in that sense, like our euphoria, gender euphoria was kind of being hyped up, but then like nobody could get the pronouns right. Like on the team for me or the other model and so it it was like it it was just that very that that kind of proof of like performativity versus like genuine authenticity um and and I was happy that happens a lot for me where like everyone knows I'm non-binary but like people on set people aren't practicing my pronouns and so it was nice that as much as like, I wish they also didn't have to go through that, right? Like Misery is its best company. We were able to like dish about it after. Mm-hmm. Um, and that person is someone that's still in my life um, intentionally because we talked about like wanting um, to stay connected, not knowing many like non-binary and trans models. Okay. Um, and so, yeah, it's, and and then other like other folks they'll they'll be modeling exclusively as women's or exclusively as men's and then you find out they're non-binary and sometimes it's just like their career started earlier than they came out oh. or they made the, that decision like for their bag their money bag you know so they made the decision to come to be non-binary oh no 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 like made the decision to stay in that kind of like women's lane or men's lane because Keep- that can keep the money consistent yeah yeah wow wow yeah that's interesting it's sort of like um straight for pay almost (laughs) (laughs) you know like hetero for pay and so that's that's interesting huh okay all right um how do you balance both careers i let all of my clients know that i'm a model Mm -hmm. and that the fashion industry is very sporadic and I allow my clients the same freedom um, of, and flexibility because their lives can also be sporadic. So I have a very flexible cancellation policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and the cancellation of policy applies to me too. 
So if a client cancels, they can reschedule within the week. Um, and for like no fee, great. Um, there's no, there's no fee to reschedule, even if it's same day. Mm -hmm. Um, if we can't reschedule within the next two weeks, then there is like half of the session fee, but the same applies to me too. So if I have like a really important casting, um, and I have a session with a client the next day. I might reach out to that client and ask, like, do you have availability to reschedule? Most, I don't, it doesn't happen too often, but when it does, most of the time they do. And in the instances where it doesn't, you know, then they get 50% off of their next session mm -hmm. because I never found that fair, how like therapists can just cancel or coaches can just cancel and there's no repercussions. Right. Um, you but just like don't get help yeah. yeah but if you cancel like you have to pay your full session fee like yeah that's yeah. not fair so I try and keep things fair and and I think that helps me maintain trust with my clients and allows everybody to feel like they have that option for flexibility and work-life balance when they need to use it okay I love that. The fairness. I love that. Oh, also, uh, chat and switch thinks your hair is wonderful, Rio. Just wanted to let you Yay. know. Thanks, y'all. <laughs> Some hair love. We got to give you hair love. The buzz. Uh, the buzz is new, so that means a lot. The buzz is new. Like a month or two. Yeah. Oh my goodness. Well, I've got a question. That's the next question after this question. Then we can talk about the buzz. There. Um, is there anything we missed about your work that you'd like to make sure you say? I think I would just like to say, I guess to plug to the folks out there on Twitch that like my, all my coaching is sliding scale. Um, and I've never turned a client away because of finances. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I keep really true to heart. Um, mm -hmm. and one of the reasons I started this work was affordability. So, um, a lot of folks will ask that or even be hesitant to ever reach out because they're like, well, I could never afford this. Um, mm. and so wanting mm -hmm. to make that clear that like part of trying to be, um, like decolonize my work is to keep it affordable. Okay. All right. That's, that's great. Cause we're going to cross promo you in just a second. Okay, now we could talk about all the things that involve the buzz and the gender euphoria, because this question is my favorite question. Can you share an experience with gender euphoria? Um, sure. We can, since it's there, like we can use the buzz. Yes. Um, so in the end of October, I got selected to be a part of this designer named Chris Habano's um, fashion presentation. He's a really amazing designer that just does like things out of the ordinary and he loves to bend gender and so all of the models in the presentation were non-binary gender queer mm -hmm. um and we all had to shave our heads like oh, wow. we, we went bald um the day of the show even like the makeup artist came in and was like putting our skin color on top of it so I was like bald bald wow um and there was a couple of folks um, with uh, um, alopecia, mm -hmm. um, as that was prioritized. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm not, when I went bald, like I was so scared, but 
my gender euphoria just like immediately like took all my fear away because I was like wait I look so good and um like mask and sexy and then as it started to grow in and, and people were noticing the thighs yeah I was like wait like I should keep this oh um, you think you're gonna do it again I'm, I've been so ever since then I've just been shaving it down like every two weeks um to wow. keep, maintain the buzz because I like it and it's also part of my rebrand of the new year for my modeling career nice perfect perfect that sounds like wonderful gender euphoria okay we've got a couple minutes left here I have one last question what would you like to make sure that folks know about your perspective on gender and non-binary trans issues? You kind of covered a little bit, but would you like to expound mm, on that? About my perspective on their issues. Yeah, I guess, I guess I go, we'll, we'll stick with the theme and um, just say like, trust yourself that, that you probably know a lot more about yourself than you think you do when you take away the shaming voice or the people-pleasing voice or whatever you want to call that voice of fear that comes in and tells us to be less of ourselves mm -hmm. um try to ignore that voice try to find ways to make it quieter or be in dialogue with it allow it to speak up um mm -hmm. and just talk back and you'll you'll find that that being in dialogue with your own intuition like we that's when I personally, I feel the most free mm. and I've noticed that others do too. Yeah. Yeah. Being in dialogue with your intuition is, is uh, out of this world as it's meant to be. It's really beautiful. So yeah. Thank you for all the work that you do in the community. Um, I am proud of the work that you do. I'm proud of you for doing it. And I wish you the best of everything. We're going to do some cross promo right now. And so Rio supports queer people through mental health challenges and life changes. They use tools such as talk counseling, meditation, budgeting, organization, and more to help folks create their own understanding of a healthy life. When Rio is not life coaching, they are a high fashion and editorial model using their physical and mental flexibility to collaboratively push boundaries in art and fashion. For coaching, you can go to Instagram at yoursrio. Uh, you can also go to yoursrio.com and you can also go to, you can also for the modeling, you can go to uh, Instagram and go to plant-based Rio, plant-based Rio for socials. Uh, again, yours Rio on Instagram and for the, uh, oh, we have a cloud or query that you can answer on our social medias. What is an affirmation that you tell yourself without even realizing it at times? What is an affirmation that you tell yourself without realizing it at times? That's the question. And coming soon next week, we have uh, Cam White and we are discussing art, comics, and self-representation. All right. Rio, thank you so much for your time thank today. You. This has been a blast. This has been a blast. Yeah, I've had so much fun. Thank you. And thank you for the work that you do as well. Oh, thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you very much. Jennifer would like to thank our guests for being on this podcast. If you'd like to catch us live, join us on Mondays at twitch.tv forward slash gendermaster. Show notes will appear in the edited version of the show on Fridays on both YouTube and podcasting platforms. 
If you have a question you would like the host to answer or are gender diverse and would like to request an interview, please send an email to genderfulpodcast at gmail.com or sign up via the website at genderfulpodcast.com. As a gender diverse community, The Clutter wants to assure our listeners that we are prepared to moderate our spaces. We will get positive and negative feedback on these shows and topics, and we have a moderation team on our channels, socials, and Discord server ready to deal with this. Please join our Discord server at discord.gg forward slash meowster to meet the community and get a regular digest of solidarity resources. You can also support us with subscriptions on Patreon, following and reviewing us on your favorite podcasting platform, or engaging with our posts and content on social media at Jennifer Pod and Gender Meowster. If you could take a few moments to also rate the show, we will post any five-star reviews on our socials, so get creative. Mention a special interest of your own, a project you're working on, or even say hi to your comfort person in your review. What power? This show is made possible by volunteers, tips, and subscriptions. Shout out to those helping us coordinate guests, edit the podcast, moderate the live chat, and post on our socials. Artist credit for Jennifer. Jennifer's theme song is called Hope by Free Range Megs, a.k.a. Soma. The Gender Master logo was designed by That's Barnaby and edited with consent by Transgriffin. Jennifer's pre-show is wrangled by Juice Tex. Genderful is edited and mixed by Trans Griffin and Alexis Fandom. Genderful's social media is managed by Queer to Help. Genderful is hosted by Atlas O. Phoenix and Gender Meowster. Genderful is the intellectual property of Gender Meowster. All rights reserved. Trans rights are human rights. That's right. That's right.